We all know that the employer brand is subservient to the consumer brand, right? The consumer brand is the thing that drives all the money. It's the thing where you've got a whole marketing team and you know that thing called marketing budgets dedicated to making sure that brand, that consumer brand is crystal clear and has a broad reach and talks to all the right audiences. And employer brand is just that add-on thing you do on the side, right? Right? Is that, is that, wait, hold on. Is that supposed to be the way it is? I know it is the way it is because I'm not a total idiot, but <clears throat> is that the way it's supposed to be? Maybe it's possible the employer brand is far more important than the consumer brand? Is that possible? Hold on, let me check my coffee. Nope, that's not booze, that's just coffee. We'll be right back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the podcast dedicated to helping you get smarter at recruiting and hiring. We're gonna get into the nitty gritty of employer brand and modern recruiting so that you, yes you, can hire better talent. Isn't that what we're all trying to do? I'm your host, James Ellis, and you can find me on Twitter at The War for Talent. That's at The War for Talent. Or on the TalentCast website. Got a question? Got a topic? Got an idea? Tweet me. I'd love to hear from you. Ready to roll up your sleeves and think big? Great. Let's get to it. Hey, how you doing? James Ellis here. Back from the wilds of New York City, or the New York City area, uh, they had a huge snowstorm. It was a whopping three to four inches, and yet somehow shut the town down. And I spent a good deal of time in LaGuardia, i.e. the worst airport in the world to get stuck in for any length of time whatsoever. Uh, and a front, shout out to my friend Rachel, who was trapped there overnight, almost. So, uh <laughs> You know, it's rough. It's rough out there. So, uh, I'm, but I'm back. It's wonderful in Chicago. It's not quite snowy. It's snowy out there, but it's not snowy sticking to the ground snowy. So, you know, standard Chicago winter, no big deal. But I'm here to talk about employer brand. What? Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. And by the way, only one and a half cups of coffee. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Here's the thing. And when I say here's the thing, that's always a sign that something interesting or something hilarious is about to happen. Everybody remembers when Wells Fargo, that bank, uh, got busted for creating a whole load of accounts for people who didn't ask for them. Why? Well, because the company uh, demanded very high quotas from their accounts people. Uh, you have to make X number of accounts for people. So they kind of were totally cool when those accounts people made the accounts. Um, and this happened for a while. Yeah, this was a long, ongoing thing. And so about, was it two years ago, year and a half ago? I can't remember. Um, they get busted, and wah, wah, that's not good. And, you know, public perception of the brand goes down. No one wants to be there. People start pulling their money out. You know, the standard stuff that happens when it comes public that you've been a naughty company. What is the thing that Wells Fargo did first? Well, you know, they followed the playbook mostly. You know, they did that thing where they said, yes, here's a full accounting of everything we know to be true. And the CEO stood up and, and took some accountability for it. Don't think that CEO got fired or anything, but whatever. Uh, and said, look, we're going to transition and we're going to change our culture and we're going to change these things and was fairly upfront about things. I mean, they followed the Tylenol playbook. It wasn't a, you know, wasn't the best version of the Tylenol playbook, but they followed it to the letter, if not the spirit of the playbook. Then what happens? Well, the next thing they do is that, well, like, gosh, they got to start to build positive goodwill, right? You know, this is a company that's got to make some money and you can't make money if everybody thinks you're stealing from them. That's bad, especially when you're a bank. So what do you do? You put your employees front and center. All those commercials were employees talking about how dedicated they were to their customers, how much they cared about their customers. Huh, interesting. 
Anybody, for those of you in the States, you know Papa John's Pizza? It's pretty mediocre pizza, I guess. Everybody, here's the thing. Here's my pet theory outside of what this is all about. Uh, everybody's got a favorite crappy pizza place, right? There's good pizza. Everybody knows what good pizza looks like. Um, but there's a you know generic fast foody type of pizza, and there's a number of brand names, mostly national, who are huge, who make pretty generic mediocre pizza. Everybody has a favorite version of that. Um, mine is a Chicago chain uh, but, you know, whatever, and it doesn't matter. But Papa John's is one of those mediocre pizza places. They make a metric ton of pizza. Uh, I think I made fun of them about a year ago because their commercials started to talk about the level of quality they were they had, and they proved their measure of quality by showing the clear see-through circle, the disc that was cut into eight slices, you know, with, with like a line, which is, you know, kind of markings on it, and they would lay it on the pizza to ensure that an equal number of pepperoni and other toppings were on each slice, as if that's the measure of quality when it comes to pizza, evenness. It's right up there with Domino's saying, thinking its level of quality was a function of how quickly it got it to your door. It's maybe the pizza yumminess, maybe? No? Okay, whatever, not the conversation we're having here. Well, anyway, um, Mr. Papa John, Papa John himself, uh, who had a agreement with the National Football League here in the states, that is football. Here in the not states, that's American football, the the longer ball, not the circular ball, not the spherical ball. Um, and man, <laughs> Papa John's ran a lot of commercials. They ran upwards of thirty million dollars of commercials every every season. Uh, they had football players in the commercials. They were very very tied to football. Well, then football protests started to happen, and Papa John himself starts to talk about how protests were ruining football and were keeping people away and were impacting his pizza. So what he's effectively saying is police brutality makes people want less pizza, which is kind of a stupid thing to think or say, <laughs> especially to say. It's certainly dumb to think, but saying it is just doubly so. Well, that we couldn't stand for that, so Papa John got bumped on his butt, and the first thing Papa John's does is run commercials with franchise owners and cooks and people who work at the franchises and offices and pizzerias to say, I'm the person who makes your pizza, and effectively don't judge the brand and the company based on one jerk based on the fact that I'm the person who's local who's going to make your pizza for you, and I'm dedicated to, well potentially pizza evenness, I guess, if that's a thing. Let's not talk about the yumminess. This is this is a thing. This is a thing. You start to see this more and more as people who are brand, brands that are in trouble, brands that are in crisis, after they've done the crisis process, after they've cleaned shit out, excuse my French, and if you're French, bonsoir. Uh, that's all the French I know. Um, after they've gone through the crisis process, what next? You can't just start going along like nothing's happening. Once Tylenol, and everybody knows Tylenol is the case study when it comes to crisis management, after Tylenol survived their first cyanide scare, and they did it right, and they took a big hit, but they immediately came back because they didn't pretend that everything was fine. We're done. They talked about how safe their packaging was. They talked about how tamper-proof their packaging was and how they changed things, and that was part of their marketing process. It wasn't a, okay, we fixed it, we're done, move back to back to the way it used to be, it was, okay, now, because everyone's eyes are enlightened to the idea that safety in packaging is kind of a thing, because, uh, you know, eight people died or whatnot, that's part of the, pro that's part of the conversation now. 
You know, if you, the reason why when you buy vitamins and you buy anything in pill form, it's a pain in the rumpus to open up. Well, that's why. Because if you bought pills in any shape or form, vitamins, aspirin, uh, whatever you're eating, you know, heck, children's vitamins, the gummy bear vitamins, right? Those things are sealed up for, tighter than fork knocks. And the reason for that is because if you bought a package of pills and they weren't sealed like that, you would think something's wrong. It would feel weird. The conversation shifted. Anyway, the conversation after the crisis seems to be saying the next page four of the playbook is now put people front and center. People, not just people, employee people, people who work there. We're part of the business. Anybody notice the, uh, I'm, I'm going to blank which company is, but it's an oil and gas energy company talking about how, I think it's Exxon, but don't hold me to that, and maybe those commercials are local, but talking about how when someone at Exxon is doing things and doing research, it employs all these other people. And by the way, here are the faces of all the people it employs, including the people who make the lunch for the people it's employing. And there's the cascading effect of how economies work as if we don't know. Uh, people, 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 people. Look how it's impacting the people, the employees, the people around the employees, employee, 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 people. Notice the trend here? I know I do. And it got me to thinking. Yes, the consumer brand is huge. Yes, the consumer brand has all the money. They have the marketing budget. They have the accountability. They have the big old team. Chances are there's a thing called a CMO, a chief marketing officer. Is there a chief employer brand person? Anybody, anybody ever heard of that? Anybody seen that? No, me neither. Thanks for asking. If you have seen it, please holler because I want to know what's going on there. I, I have questions, and they're very curious questions. But good questions, good curious. Um, so... Marketing and consumer marketing is far more important, except when consumer marketing falters, everybody resorts to the employer brand. And I started to think, maybe the employer brand is more important than the consumer brand. And that made me pause. Because <laughs> I was a little worried, had I taken myself too far down? Have I, have I circled around to the weirdness? Have I put my butt, you know, head inside my own butt? Have I really just kind of started to eat my own tail, sort of thing? And the more I thought about it, the more I realized, no, there's something here. Now, let me put a couple of brackets around this thing. First off, we talk consumer brand, we mean consumer brand around the company, not around a product. We're not talking about product consumer brands, right? If you're talking about a product, so Disney is a company and Disney has an employer brand and Disney has a consumer brand, but it makes a boat ton of products, some of which are movies, some of which are movie product tie-ins, some of which are uh, ESPN channels and ABC and all this other stuff they have and do. There's a product, i.e. Moana, and I say that because my daughter loves Moana, or the, or the necklace that you press that plays the seven-second snippet of that song over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Thank you, Disney. Um, and then there's the company itself. Now, the product is a transactional model. Buy this necklace. Buy the tickets for this movie. Buy these shoes. Buy this plant. Buy this apartment. Buy this car. Buy this. Buy this. Buy this. Buy this. It's a product. Here's a pair of headphones. You should buy it. Why? Because of the best headphones. Cool. I like the best headphones. I want to buy the best headphones. Are they affordable? And then you start to go down the hierarchy of how you make decisions. And your model is different than mine because I'm not made of money. And money takes into account. Portability takes into account. I don't really care about things like active 
passive or active uh, noise cancelization. Passive is fine. Whatever. Your process is different, but it starts with, do I need some headphones? Would I like some headphones? Would they make me happy? Great. I will consider buying your headphones. That's a transactional product-driven model of marketing. But talk to me about the company. So let's talk about cars. Why? Because apparently every time I do a metaphor, I bring in cars. But this isn't even a metaphor. This is just an example. Let's talk about the wonderful company that is Ford. This is not a good or bad thing. I have no fight with Ford. I have no problems with Ford. I do not own stock with Ford. I don't care. Uh, I don't even own a car. So that's, you know, there you go. But for a long time, a long time, Ford's brand, not the car, you know, they had many different cars. They had trucks. They had little cars. They had big cars. They had minivans. They got all, all, buy a Ford Aerostar. Great for the family. Buy a Ford Shelby. It's a sports car that only six people can in the world can afford. Buy it. Um, you know, whatever. Buy a Ford F-150 pickup truck. They got more torque or something. I don't know. I'm not a truck guy. Product, 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 product. But, but at the end of those, many of those commercials, Ford, quality is job one. That is a brand, company brand message. Talking about the company, the company that makes those products, the company that makes that truck, the company that makes that minivan, the company that makes that sports car. It's the company that makes the decision, right? Whether you like the product or don't, sure, that's part of it, but it helps to know who the company is. Now, in some companies, you don't really care. Anybody notice how... Um, so let's look at Apple because you kind of do that. Apple, you know, has a strong consumer brand because the products are so well designed, generally. Uh, there have been some misses in the last couple of years. Um, like that big tower that's round, that was a huge miss. Um, and their, their, their uh, iPhone, was it 6C, the plasticky one? Huge miss. Um, but generally, their products are so well made, it drives the sense that Apple is a smart considerate, con considering brand, that their company, that it makes com products that are good, that the fact that the company makes it and you have a sense of the company, whatever products follow from that company, you are more predisposed to have a positive impression about before you even look at the product. So for example, there were plenty of watches out there. Pebble made a watch that was decent. Uh, lots of companies talked about watches, and it wasn't until Apple makes a watch, and then suddenly the conversation is like, ooh, watches are a thing now. It's like, well, yeah, wait, hold on. Like a million people have those things. Half watches already. What do you mean now a thing? Um, but, but the fact that Apple comes in, it's going to be a good product, and it changes the marketplace, yada, yada. It changes the conversation because of the company. The product was okay. And depending on who you talk to, it missed the mark a smidge. It tried to do too much first version, and as it's versioned on, it's changed. But the company drove a lot of the value conversation around the product. And the reason the company drives the value product conversation around a new product like that is because of Johnny Ives and the people who work there. And we think those people make good products. Those people, hey, there's that word again, make good products. Doesn't always work that way. For example, about I guess about a year ago, year and a half ago, um, Anchor A N K E R suddenly just showed up out of nowhere and started flooding the market with, "Hey, here's a iPhone plug. Here's a remote or a, a cordless charger. Here's a portable battery pack. Here's a Bluetooth speaker." And these kind of commodity-ish esque 
products that fit in between my very expensive Apple or Android products suddenly came out of nowhere. And you're, you know, if you go to Amazon right now and you type in um, lightning cable, iPhone cable, Android charger, you get a million products. And most of those are companies you have never heard of. And I'm going to tell you right now, they're almost all Chinese or Korean, right? And they're just, they're all probably all made in the same factory. They just slap a new brand name on it and push it out the push it out the, you know, like, hey, let's try and lower the price four cents and see if we can get a couple people to buy the thing, right? Good for them, but there's no sense of the brand. And so you're picking between companies you've never heard of because there's no brand, not product brand, consumer company brand around that. And now if it turns out that Anchor hires child labor, and I don't know that they do, you'd feel something about that brand. And suddenly that inexpensive product doesn't seem very interesting anymore. Why? Because of the people who make it. Think, See the, the hit that De Beers made, took when it turns out that a good chunk of the diamonds they're selling you came from some pretty horrible African countries where some pretty horrible things were happening to some pretty good people to make sure you got a pretty little rock, i.e. blood diamonds, right? It took a huge hit when it turns out that the people making their products are being forced to do so at gunpoint uncool. Think of the hit Apple took when that Foxconn report started to come out that people are committing suicide at the factory. The people, the people, the people making a huge impact on the company brand. Not necessarily on the product brand. I didn't think anything less really of the iPhone itself that I owned, but the company who chose that comp that other third-party company to build the products or to assemble the screens or what have you or deliver components, those people, I felt bad about Apple. I felt like I didn't feel as good about it. I didn't feel positive about it because they're making poor choices. They're hiring companies that hire people who are treating them so bad they're jumping off of buildings. I don't mean to be so flippant about that, but yikes. The employer brand is insanely powerful insanely powerful. Look at Nordstrom. Nordstrom's known for decades now as providing the greatest customer service. Who provides that customer service? Not the marketing team, the people. And that means they had to hire the right kind of people. And you had to build a culture of those people to say customer service above all else. The employer brand was the consumer brand. They just didn't call it employer brand. Why? Because Five years ago, only a handful of people even understood what the hell employer brand was. They talked about how great their people were. You would see stories of the customer service teams who would go above and beyond, who would get in their own cars and deliver the product to the middle of nowhere because the customer asked them to. You know, Nordstrom has a, has a, has a book full somewhere of amazing customer service stories. Those customer service stories are about their people and they're about their employer brand. That is, we're the kind of people who do this. That brings me to Seth Godin. Why? Because I can't not bring up Seth Godin. Got a new book, by the way. I'm about a third of the way through. It's not earth-shattering. So if you've read everything else Seth Godin's read, it's not earth-shattering. But it is, however, good. It's all smart. It's all a distillation of things he's been talking about. But one of the things, and I've heard it before, him say it before, but I think it's so interesting, is the idea that marketing is about change. 
I'm trying to get you to change. I'm trying to get you to change the kind of soap you buy. I'm trying to get you to change the job you have. I'm trying to get you to change what kind of clothes you should wear. That's marketing. Marketing isn't advertising. There's a whole other podcast somewhere where I will talk about how marketing isn't advertising and advertising isn't marketing. They're different. They overlap, certainly, but they are different. Um, But this idea that marketing is about change. How do I encourage some people to change. It's not about necessarily helping all people change, right? It's about helping some people change. And the best way to approach these problems is to say, who are the kinds of people who either want to change or can be very easily persuaded or shown how that kind of change would help them? Right? So suddenly you're segmenting your audiences to not to say, hey, everybody, you should buy this plant. It's amazing. Why? Well, because it's amazing. Well, to how? To whom? In what way? In what fashion? In what sense? I don't like plants. I'm allergic to bugs. I am allergic to the color green. I don't know. I'm staring at a basil plant right now, so bear with me. Um, when you say these things are amazing, when you say these things are the best, to whom? About which? By whom? How does that matter? How are you factoring in? And yet you go turn on the TV and all the commercials about we're the best, we're the best, we're, we're amazing, we're wonderful. And you're like, prove it. Give me some concreteness, some clarity around these kinds of declarations of amazitude. Yeah, that's what I said. And I swear to God, I made up that word as I spoke it. There's something seriously wrong with me, folks. Anywho... So far, so good? Fantastic. But if you can't get enough of this stuff, I have some news. You can bring the James Ellis experience to your event or company. Just go to jamesellis.us and learn about all the kinds of custom presentations I can build and deliver for you or your team. But if it's time to get some hands-on help with your employer branding, recruiting, and hiring, either from the ground up or some strategic support, I would love to help. Just reach out to Proactive Talent or ProactiveTalent.com. That's where I work, and we can help you hire better. Cool? Cool. All right, let's get back to it. That is marketing. It's about finding the audience who you can help change, who you can provide change to, for whom when you say this is the best, you can say this is the best for people who love plants. This is the best for people who live in an apartment. This is the best for people who don't have a lot of space but would like some green. This plant is the best because it's very hard to kill. Hey, Mr. Succulent, how are you? This is the best for. This is the best because. This is the best in this way. You get super, super, super specific. And when I'm reading this stuff and when I think about this stuff, and by the way, Seth also talks, and by the way, we're, we're besties now. I'm just calling him Seth. Um, he has this line that I'm like, oh, there's so much, I don't know, oh God, there's so much profoundness in this idea, and it's so profound to employer brand. That is, people like us do things like this, and it's it goes backwards and forwards. So think about it. People like us do things like this. And he's got all sorts of stories like people like us, people who are obsessed with Star Wars, do things like this, dress up as Star Wars characters and go to events and talk to each other and buy each other's costumes and pieces of costumes and products and ideas and whatever. That people like us do things like this. People like us, people who like, who are dentists but who want to think they're cool do things like this. Buy Harley David motorcycles and drive them around the weekends and hang out with other Harley David dentists and feel like they're tough and strong and enjoying the wind in their hair, whatnot, whatnot. People like us 
do things like this. People like us, Wells Fargo's employees whose quota systems are so intolerable that we are forced to bend over backwards and potentially even break a bunch of rules, do things like this, make a fake accounts for our people, for our customers. Suddenly, this line, people like us do things like this, is your employer brand. Why? Because it taps into your company culture. And I don't talk about culture much because as my friend Kirsten over at uh, Employera, hey Kirsten, would say culture is about yogurt. And I'm sick of talking about the culture. Culture is such a weird word. It has meaningless word. It is a goofy word and everybody thinks it. But really the culture is just, call it what it is, the company DNA. What is this company about? When push comes to shove, the people in it make certain choices and they make certain decisions because of the DNA. If you hire a bunch of sharks, don't expect them to act like sheep. If you hire a bunch of sheep, don't expect them to act like sharks, right? That's very simple. So people like us, cutthroat commodity traders, do things like this. Go crazy between the hours of eight and five, uh, work our asses off, eat huge meals, and you go back to you know Michael Lewis books to read Liar's Poker and stuff like that. You know these are the things we do. This is our culture. People like us do things like this, and then you can flip it around. People who do this are people like us, and suddenly you have an employer brand. People who care about their customers do things like this: work at Nordstrom's. People who are obsessed with space and space travel, do things like this, work at SpaceX. People who love puzzles and are obsessed with puzzles and stay up late puzzle and have no sense of work-life balance because we become absolutely focused on this puzzle, do things like this, or do are, are people like us, i.e. our Amazonians, Amazon people, right? People who do this are people like us. And suddenly you go, and it's like a game of tennis. You can play it backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards. Suddenly you can see how you have an entire employer brand marketing campaign based on this idea, right? Are you like this? Then you should be with us. Are you obsessed with Ruby on Rails? Then you should be a developer at this company. Are you obsessed with Ruby on Rails in, in terms of finding the most efficient way to manage massive amounts of data and extracting a tiny little insight? Then you should work for this company because that's the kind of people we are. Are you a nurse? And this is a great one. You know, and everybody says, are you, nurse, are you a nurse who cares about your patients? Well, hold on a second. I hope to God that's every nurse. And you went wide instead of getting specific. Are you a nurse who cares about your patients and, right, and then you get specific What and want a collaborative work environment or want a, uh, a seat at the table in terms of providing uh, support services for your customers, for your patients. Are you the kind of nurse who does this? Well, then you should be here with us, right? That's employer brand 101. That's employer brand in a nutshell. People like us who do things like this, people who do things like this are people like us. And when you get to the sense of this is the culture, then you can play the game of because of this kind of culture, because of the kinds of people who work here, these are the, this is the company we've built. This is Ford, this is Disney, this is Amazon, this is SpaceX, this is whatever. Suddenly, the employer brand becomes the company's consumer brand. And that can trickle down to its products, right? People who are obsessed with form and function 
in harmony, hardware and software working as one to provide an, the ultimate customer experience, to provi provide innovation and magic in people's pockets are people who, like us, i.e. people who work at Apple. And because people who work at Apple are these obsessed form and function magic people, the products we make are generally form and function integrating as one, acting as one, creating magic in your pocket. So buy one. Whoa. Your entire consumer brand becomes predicated based upon, is functionally dependent upon your employer brand. Now, don't say that too loudly around your marketing friends because you will have a fight. <laughs> and knowing marketing people as well as I do, you will not win the fight, not because you're wrong, but because the sheer momentum of investing in marketing wins. It's just too big a market and people spend too much money and they, they're obsessed in that space and because they can try and tie, because of this marketing spend, we drove in this many dollars and they can kind of tie that ROI together and you can say, great, but your message is cool and it's, but it's incredibly shallow if it doesn't have some level of employer brand, I don't know, weight behind it. If you're a company that claims to make great products but no one's ever heard of your company and no one knows the people who work there and what the people care about, your claim only goes so far. When Ford says quality is job one, what it means is our people are obsessed with quality. Now, was that true? <sighs> I don't know. I'm not going to get into that. But it was making an employer brand claim, wasn't it? Wasn't it? Even before, long before GE did uh, uh, Super Bowl ads, Quality's Job One told you as much about the people it tried to hire as it did about the products it was selling you. Right? Again, Ford probably didn't even realize what it was doing. I'm sure that was a knock-on benefit. They went, oh, that's kind of cool. That's interesting. It's interesting by telling the world that quality is job one, we're now attracting people for whom quality is also job one. Therefore, we hire those people and suddenly it's a, a self-fulfilling prophecy where quality is now job one because we're, we've got a, we built a culture where everybody who came to us is focused on quality. That was a long and rambling sentence, I think. God help anybody who had to transcribe that. Um, no, we don't do that. Um, right? The employer brand was at the beating heart of all of that, whether you bought an F-150, whether you bought a minivan or whatever. It was started with the employee. And I, I think there's a lot more to this. I think there's a lot deeper we can go with this, but I just want to call to the world this idea that maybe the employer brand is the brand. Maybe the employer brand is the beating heart of everything that company does. Why? Well, here's, let's do some simple math. It's not so much that people are our greatest asset. Screw you. One, you're lying because I've seen your 401k plan or I've seen your benefits package or I've seen how you don't pay your people very much or I've seen how your, whatever, your office looks. People are not your most important asset. You treat your data better than you treat your people. You treat your products better than you treat your people. You treat your warehouse robots better than you treat your people right? People are your most important asset bullshit. However, here's a truism that you can't escape. People are your company. Your company is people. There's no asset level here. Tell me how you do anything without the people. 
Tell me how you make a damn thing, a sell a damn thing, support a damn thing without the people. People are the product. People are the company. People are the thing. So, so it might make some very simple sense, <clears throat> excuse me, it might make some very simple sense that the employer brand is more important than the consumer brand. Or maybe, and I don't know, I'm not an expert here, the employer brand is the consumer brand. And if that's the case, and if that takes some sort of, if it becomes more clear to idiots like me and it becomes more clear to you know actual smart people about what they're doing, suddenly employer brand doesn't just have a seat at the table, they're married to marketing. And they can bring that weird flavor of marketing that they do, quality over quantity, right? You've seen that, we've talked about that, to the table in a way that marketing doesn't think normally. Your job is to bring quality over quantity thinking, employer brand thinking, to a marketing table that doesn't know how to do it. And maybe that's the challenge. It's not to convince your recruiters that what you're doing is helpful. So sadly, that's mostly what we do. Maybe the real challenge is getting a seat at the marketing table and say, yes, and don't forget about quality because quality is a function of attracting the right people to create right fits that support our, our culture and our DNA that make the products that you're trying to sell. Huh? All right, so fight me on this one. I mean, really, this is, this is a big, bold claim. Um, and I've written about it a little bit, but I, I kind of wanted to stand on it. I feel like this is, you know, this podcast is pretty personal. Why? Because it's just my voice. Um, but I want to stand on it. I, th I think this is true. I want to I pressure test this as it were. So fight me on this. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where this doesn't make sense. Tell me where you have questions. Tell me where you have examples where this doesn't make any sense. Let's talk this through. Why? Because it's possible that this concept that employer brand is the brand is the beginning of the revolution of employer brand where we are not just relegated to talent acquisition even though that's where we create the most impact but the truth is what's the I've, I, I think i've said this before the joke i used to make at my last job was if i was actually in charge of everything that i'm supposed to influence my my title would be ceo and it's not so relegating employer brand the beating heart of the company to recruiting kind of says you're off in the silo. Not that I don't love recruiting. I love recruiting and I love recruiters. However, they're not the best funded. They're not the best resourced and they don't always have a seat at the table. Marketing always has the seat at the table. And frankly, maybe that's where employer brand should be sitting. Just putting that out there. So fight me on that. Push back on that. Tell me where you disagree. Tell me where I'm wrong. Tell me where it doesn't make any sense. Tell me where I'm unclear. Let's go. Let's have this conversation because we, unless we all understand this idea, we can't love, use this idea to make the change in the world we want. So my employer brand recruitment people, fight me. I mean it. Tweet me. Email me. You know how to find me. It's super easy to find me online. I mean it. Um, that's what I'm talking about. So this is episode 97, which means doing my math, I have three more episodes before I hit the magic number 100. Also can't believe that, which means I'm going to hit that right around, right before Christmas. So I'm going to start planning my last, my last, my last next couple of episodes. Not my last, calm down. I'm still going to keep doing this because how can I not? Um, let's try, I'm going to make 100 amazing, but I'm asking you to help me spread the word to the people who would get this, right? We do, you know, I, the people who listen to this, 
tell me that it's useful. Tell me it's help, if helpful. The problem with podcasts is it's very hard to spread the word. So I'm asking you to tell someone who is into marketing and branding and recruiting and this level of thinking, talk to your CHRO, let them know about this kind of podcast. Let's make this change happen. You heard about the Employer Brand Manifesto. Let us get together, together, there's a choice word right there, together, and make these changes happen. So let me help you help you make that change, all right? Help me help you. That's a line somewhere. All right, it's the coffee's wearing out and I gotta drink more. So it's, thanks so much for listening. Um, as always, if you've got good ideas, holler at me, let me know. I love answering questions, I love challenges, I love it. Something wrong with me, I know that, but just go ahead and use it. Hey, use it to your own advantage. I'll talk to y'all later. Thanks so much for listening and uh, have a great week, bye. Well, the music means you've made it to the end of another episode of the Talent Cast. If this was useful to you, do not keep it a secret. Share it with your team. Share it with your boss. Share it with your networks. I don't know. Share it with your mom. Uh, if you have questions you'd like me to answer on a future show or just, you know, general ideas about how to make this thing better, just ping me on Twitter. You know, I'm at the War for Talent. At the War for Talent. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We, we out. out.